0: Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. This is episode 16, my ulcerative Colitis story with Jillian Little. Please note, I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor first. We have an amazing guest today who is here to share her ulcerative Colitis. Story. Jillian Little is a writer, healer, artist, freethinker, and functional medicine certified health coach. She specializes in helping clients reverse symptoms of chronic illness and autoimmune disease. Having successfully navigated the U.S. healthcare system for 26 years and counting with diagnoses like ulcerative colitis, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue, to name a few. She is uniquely qualified to assist others in taking back their lives and rewriting their own personal health stories. Welcome, Jillian.
1: Wow, it's like so much more impressive when someone (laughs) is reading that to me. <laughs> everyone says that every time I do it. every guest says <laughs> like I sound impressive all right <laughs> well you thank are you.
0: impressive
1: and that's why you're here well thank you so much I'm so glad that you asked me to do this I'm really happy I am, to be a part of it I'm so
0: glad I really admire you and I look up to you and I know that our listeners will today first I just want to start out with an easy question how are you feeling
1: I'm feeling really good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling really good. How are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling really good. I always battle with a little bit of anemia mm. and it's been a little annoying lately. So after I do this, I'm going to be cooking my iron fish. Um, to try <laughs> to try to get that get that uh iron count up. Yeah. But other than that I've I've been doing well. The the last checkup I had which was now probably about 3 months ago um, on the Calprotectin, what is it? Calprotein, Calprotectin. 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 I always forget how to pronounce it. Calprotectin. <laughs> uh if you guys don't know, it's a it's a fecal stool test that measures inflammation in the body. And from my flare last year to that test, I got my inflammation down by 80%. Oh, wow. So yeah, so I'm doing well. And all my blood work came back normal, except for a little bit of anemia. So I'm, I'm yeah. like you, I'm a warrior.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the battle goes on.
0: The battle goes on for the rest of our lives. So I loved reading your ulcerative colitis story. You have a really beautiful bio. And of course, I'm going to put that at the end. But please tell the listeners how this disease started for you in
1: 1995. In the 1900s. It was forever ago. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you who are unfamiliar with that time period, the internet was not what it is now. Receiving a diagnosis in the mid 90s was a very different experience. It was, I didn't, I couldn't hop on line and like get in a forum. And you know, there really wasn't a lot of help. So I was on my own for the most part. So I was Can I stop you for one second? I
0: just want to say and clarify that you were 15 years old. Right.
1: So that's what I was just about to say. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's really important because we have a lot of people listening who are the parents of children with ulcerative colitis, and they're trying to figure it out. So go ahead, Jillian, take it away. Yeah.
1: So I was, yeah, like going through puberty, basically, and um. I didn't know anything about anything. I was just, you know, doing what my doctors told me to do. And it actually, you know, I responded to them. I basically took the pills and did nothing else. Like I did. What pills do you remember? What so pills? it was, um, as misalamine or whatever. It's like the kind of entry level drug. The misalamine probably. Yes. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love when you have to shove them up your ass. That's my
1: favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do... Actually, they did try to get me to do that. I, I was did what, that. I was what they called non-compliant because I was, <laughs> you know, a teenager and I was like, this is not happening to me. Like, I wasn't... My mom would always put my pills out for me and I maybe would take them. Um, but it wasn't... I guess I was never really that sick with it in the beginning. So I did kind of just muddle through without really dealing with it for many years.
0: So what were your symptoms to get you into a diagnosis?
1: Um, I was passing bloody stool for like a long period of time. And they went through, I think it took maybe a year, year and a half to get a diagnosis looking back on it (laughs) i i can you know they say we don't know why you got sick we don't know why this happens and they still tell people that which is crazy to me but obviously there are things that lead to someone developing an autoimmune disease like that and for me i had been on a course of antibiotics for my cystic acne my dermatologist put me on antibiotics for like three years I was taking antibiotics every day. That's wow. Which is crazy when you think about it now, like and no one ever thought to connect the two. I also was eating a terrible, you know, like fast food diet. And I was a stressed out kid because I was very I was one of those highly sensitive kids, you know, empath and like just didn't know no one taught me what that meant and so I didn't know how to protect my energy I always felt very overwhelmed I always felt like I had a lot of anxiety even as a kid Um, so to me that was like the perfect storm of wrecking my gut health with antibiotics eating a terrible inflammatory diet and being in chronic like survival mode at all times so to me it's so obvious why I developed a disease. It took me many, many years to like look back on it and realize and kind of put those pieces together.
0: Well, I love when you discuss being an empath. Right. Because I'm an empath as well. And in case people don't know, because this is not the metaphysical podcast. An empath is someone we take in everyone's energy and feelings, and we have to learn how to protect ourselves. Another life skill we have to learn is who to hang out with, quite frankly, and who to surround ourselves yes. with. So that's a big thing when you go into these groups. And that's why, especially as a teenager, like you were saying, Jillian, everyone is like their hormones and everything is on 10. Right. right yeah. And then you go into that situation where you're in middle school and high school and you're surrounded by it. You don't get a, a moment of peace for eight hours during the day. And then you go to sports or after school activities, no moment of peace. And then you move on to college where you live in a college dorm and then there's really no moment of peace. So that's why people a lot of times we have to stay in that survival mode. Right. right yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you're trying to just be like everybody else at that point in time. (laughs) You don't realize that it's actually better to be doing your own thing. I was kind of living in survival mode for most of my youth, and I didn't actually get really, really sick, like hospitalized sick until I was in my mid to late 20s is when things got bad. (laughs) And I started to realized that I needed to do something, you know, like, cause I had been kind of ignoring it.
0: So what happened? I mean, you say that your lowest point when I read about you was 12 right. years after your diagnosis. So you were 27 years old. Do you mind sharing with us what happened at that point in your life? Why did it bring upon the flare?
1: So at some point I lost my health insurance because I had this, I had like taken a job that didn't have health insurance And then I realized after the fact that that was a really poor move. Because you couldn't get health insurance if you had a pre-existing condition. This was before Obamacare and all that. And the medication, just even that entry-level medication, was like $1,600 a month. And this was 15 years ago, which was like more than my rent. So I was rationing out medication and... bunch of stuff happened. I broke up with my first serious boyfriend. I ended up moving to a new city where I didn't know anyone. I was racking up credit card debt. (laughs) I was like eating fast food and just not, literally not even thinking about my health. And I got really really sick and the only thing they could do basically because they knew i didn't have insurance was give me tons of steroids because Mm. prednisone is really cheap (laughs) and it's you know effective but it's a very powerful medication and you can't be on it for very long it's you know there's other consequences to your health at some point i ended up moving Back, getting back with the boyfriend, moving back to Los Angeles, getting on his health insurance, finally had a colonoscopy and realized that my disease had progressed. Like it was so much worse. And I thought, oh crap, how did I let this happen? <laughs> and like it just all of a sudden hit me that I had just been assigning this as like somebody else's responsibility and I was just gonna do what they were telling me to do and assume that that would (laughs) be enough or whatever and that I really needed to take responsibility for it and change my diet and change my lifestyle and figure out any little thing that I could do because I had done nothing and I felt like I had really let myself down and at this point I have this boyfriend and you know I'm getting married and I'm like I don't want to let him down and so at that point I started really focusing on like changing I guess I was really more focused on the diet to begin with because I figured that was like the key with a boyfriend who... Did you
0: eventually marry this person or I no? did, yeah. Okay. Was it a healthy relationship, if you don't mind me asking? You
1: know, I thought it was at the time. <laughs> I, we all do. Right. But there was nothing hugely out of place. But in the end, it turned out he was lying about a lot of things. And it, I was being betrayed unbeknownst to me. But you know that book, The Body Keeps the Score? Oh, yeah. So I just realized in those final moments of this relationship, which was only, you know, five years ago, that my body had been keeping the score. I spent the sickest years of my life since I had met this person. (laughs) And I never would have connected the two. but you know, sort of making this series of realizations at the end, I I was like, oh, I've been living in a state of, I guess, tension this whole time. (laughs) And it wasn't until it it actually became like abusive. And I was like, oh, this is an abusive relationship. Like, you know, all of a sudden at the end, it was really terrible. And I was like, oh, I'm immediately sick, you know, because of this. But if you think about it in the bigger picture, like I was kind of sick the whole time I was with him. It was like 12 years of my life. Wow. So it was the thing that got me to start learning about the connection between trauma and illness. But in a bigger sense, it made me start thinking not just in the way that we consider trauma as like maybe a big, horrible event that happened to you, but... As what it does to your nervous system. And that it could it's maybe not a big capital T trauma, but maybe some smaller lowercase T traumas or just chronic stress or unresolved emotional issues from your childhood. Maybe not overly traumatic stuff, but it it affected you and it stuck with you and it's It's affecting you day to day. So the majority of that relationship, I thought I was in a healthy, happy, functioning relationship, but there was obviously some underlying feeling of not being able to be at ease that was keeping me from really getting better. Like I would sort of go into remission and then I would flare again. And it just felt like this back and forth the whole time. You know, it was a horrible thing to go through, but it brought me to all of this understanding about the energy body and the emotional body and how that all directly connects to like our physiological symptoms of illness.
0: Okay, so I'm going to stop you there for one second, because I love everything you're saying, but I kind of want to break it down a little bit for our listeners. Sure. I love that you brought up this book, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. So anyone, if you want to look it up, it's the body keeps the score. I haven't mentioned it on this podcast yet because I actually wanna do an entire episode on it. But if anyone wants to learn about the mind, body, soul connection and regard to trauma, like what Jillian's talking about, I talk about it all the time in this podcast, the emotional connection. So, okay, Jillian, to go back to your story because it's so fascinating when you break this down from a mind, body, soul connection, okay? So you, you're you in this seemingly okay relationship that becomes abusive. So that's your mind because you're not feeling at ease. Emotionally, you're not feeling at ease. So when you're soul, you know something's wrong. And then physically, you're not taking care of yourself, which is understandably so. Number one, you were young. And number two, when you're stressed, you eat things you shouldn't be eating. So from a diet perspective, That's what happens too. So I was really impressed with how you articulated your aha moment when you said, I realized that I had outsourced something that was my responsibility and the only option I had left was to find answers for myself. That's what so many of our listeners are dealing with right now. They come to this podcast because they're like, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything in the healthcare system. I have a good gastroenterologist. Okay, I'm a good example. I have a great gastroenterologist. When he asked, how did you get to 80% better? And I was like, well, I do energy healing. <laughs> and I do I do rebounding, which is yeah. uh, jumping on a small trampoline. And I do that, he was like, uh-huh. He's like, okay, yeah. I'm not really, I, he's like, I'm not experienced in any of that, but don't come see me for three to four months because you're doing well. Right. And the thing is, Jillian, he can't say anything to me, because I have the proof. Right. You wanted the good test? Yeah. I'm showing you the good test. So, anyway, so that's what we go through. So, tell us about this awakening and your journey of autoimmune healing, discovery, and enlightenment.
1: It's been my whole life. <laughs> so, like, since puberty, I've been doing this. So, you know, I feel like I've had many lifetimes already within this lifetime. And uh, this has been a part of. Most of them, so I don't really know much aside from this, but certainly it's brought me to a greater understanding of myself, a greater amount of self love. When you're having those like really dark, desperate moments, it forces you to not only confront your mortality a little bit, but sort of dig deeper into what do you think is the meaning and the purpose of all of this? Because Mm. if you, if you can't find any meaning to the suffering, then it feels really hopeless. And it's all about what story you're telling yourself about what's happening, because it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It matters what you believe. Mm. There's like this study that shows, um, optimists live longer even if they're wrong (laughs) which I love because like you could tell yourself that like we're all gonna turn into cotton candy unicorns someday and like it doesn't matter or whatever but as long as you believe it and it's serving you then then you're good
0: and you were saying something before, and I think I interrupted you a bit, so I apologize for that, about how energy is stored in the body and how you were learning about that. Could you just expound on that for a little bit? Cause I would love to hear your thoughts yeah. as a health coach.
1: So I started thinking about how we are like electromagnetic beings and we have this frequency and this flow of energy. When we experience something traumatic or really stressful, we drop into resistance, and it's like a tension or a bracing for impact kind of thing that you physically do in your body. And it physically clamps down on that natural flow of energy. And everything is connected. And when there's stagnation or you're locked up, it starts to affect your joints and your organs. And it's like this immediate translation of what's happening for you emotionally into you know your cells and your organs. When you start to look at your body as this like a tuning fork or like this vessel of energy and frequency and you start to care for yourself in that way noticing what's making you stand in certain postures how is your breath how are, are you moving freely or are you clamped up are you locking your jaw like when you're sick, you really check out. When you feel crappy in your body, you go into your brain. And it's really about bringing that attention and awareness back down into your body and feeling into where are you tense, where do you need to maybe just place your hands on your body and touch yourself with some loving intention.
0: So you've worked with many clients with ulcerative colitis, autoimmune disease. What do you see as a commonality when they come to you? Do you see a lot of trauma stored in the body? Do you see, what do you see?
1: I see people not even realizing that they're stressed, that they, I think that they're the, their problem is their diet or that they need to be better or stricter about that or their supplements or they need to find the right supplement or they you know which you know all of that can be important but yeah a lot of people don't realize how stressed they are until you start asking them questions like do you ever catch yourself grinding your teeth or clenching your this or you know catching your breath or breathing really shallow and when you start like paying attention to those kind of cues and you start recognizing how often you're doing that you're like man i'm i'm really checked out (laughs) like i haven't even been paying attention to my body which makes sense because if your body feels uncomfortable to be in you spend less time there but the more awareness around it that you can create, the more you can actually change it.
0: And then when these clients come to you with regard to diet, Mm -hmm. how does that work? Do you find that most of them are just eating a shitty diet or do you find that they aren't or they're too strict or they're eating the wrong things? Like I was eating raw vegetables thinking I was doing the right thing. Okay, you know? Right,
1: yeah. I think that, you know, by the time you're hiring someone to help you, you've done a lot kind of on your own already. And people, there's a lot of information out there. It's not all good, but for the most part, people know what they should be doing. Or what they shouldn't be doing. Like they know they know that like they shouldn't be eating Krispy Kreme, but they do sometimes or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's more about really changing those habits. And that's the difficult part. It's not like I'm gonna give you some keys to the universe that nobody else knows about like we all kind of know what you should be doing I mean I can give you tips like don't eat raw foods if your gut is messed up but uh you're a guide yeah like I I've got like all the books you should read and I know the general you know but I think generally people know what they should be doing and they just need that support. They need it's yeah. How do I put it? Just behavior change is hard and changing your diet in particular is one of the hardest things. So it's really about like setting small achievable goals and having someone hold you accountable, really helping you put in the work to do what you know you're supposed to be doing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love that. and I have to tell you about my little achievements that have happened actually in the last couple of weeks. you want to hear them? Yeah, because you're a health coach, so yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I have not yet, yes, when this when this episode is released, I'm getting more into late summer, early fall into the diet because I haven't even touched that yet in this podcast. Mm -hmm. I know people want that and I'm going to go into that, but that's going to be a lot. So, you know, it's going to be a whole thing. It is. (laughs) But with my diet, because of the childhood abuse that I endured and I kept secret and I didn't tell anyone for quite some time, I had a lot of trauma in me. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I latched on to sugar sugar was my best friend. Sugar, I hid under my bed. It was safety. It was unconditional love for me. That's what it represented. Now, Jillian, you and I are both very thin. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to worry about weight. In fact, we have to worry about the opposite, keeping weight on. So when people look at you and they're like, you hardly eat sugar. You eat as much sugar as you want. They're not getting it it's it's you know it's not so that's the message you get when you're thin which is not correct most of the time so i've had this lifelong obsession with sugar and how i'm dealing with it now like you said Jillian so smart to do these tiny changes is now what i do is the last round i went 10 days without sugar i noted it on my calendar i'm sorry by sugar i mean refined process i eat right. fruit okay, okay. So I noted it on my calendar. Okay, this is day 10. I'm taking a break. The next day I had an ice cream bar. And I noted that it gave me acid reflux. And then I went back on. So now I'm hoping for, hey, maybe hopefully I'll get to 12 days. And that's the way I'm accomplishing it right
1: now. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Honestly, whatever you feel like is working for you. If you feel like you're making progress doing something, then it is the right thing.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I made progress with my family because my brother called me this morning and I'm going down to the beach and he called me and he said, Hey, you know, my wife's going to pick up some things for you. What can you eat? And I was so proud that I've trained my family. They finally understand, like, I'm sorry, but when you have the food truck at your kid's christening, that doesn't mean jack shit to me. Like, right, Yeah, I can't eat any of that. Right. So um, I'm very proud of those two, those two achievements in my life. You know what I
1: mean? Yes. It can be hard to like go out to eat when you're being, when you're trying to be very strict about what you're eating and other people. It's hard for them to understand (laughs) because most people just don't worry about it or think about it. But yeah. Even
0: though the processed oils are making them sick at the restaurant, they still don't. Yeah. Yeah. God bless.
1: It's. I mean, I think (laughs) that until you have some sort of dire consequence, why would you change what you're doing? You know, until you get really desperate and you're like, Oh crap. Like I was saying, I, you know, I had had my disease for like, years and years and I finally was just like oh I gotta get a handle on this like no one's doing it for me and now is the time and I've still work on my diet and it's been years and years since then so one of the biggest things I learned about diet is you can't be so fanatical about the diet that you're doing it has parameters or rules or whatever you cannot beat yourself up about doing it perfectly because nothing is ever perfect and you're going to stress yourself out more than that cookie would harm you you know like if you're starving yourself because there's nothing at the picnic that you can eat that's worse than just you know maybe eating a little something that's not on the diet once in a while at least for myself and I find with people like if you give yourself a little wiggle room and a little grace, (laughs) don't try to, to do everything like 100% because that is setting yourself up for failure and you want to set yourself up for success. So that's why tiny little goals that you know that you can achieve. I was listening
0: to a SiriusXM show last night, and there was a woman who has been an alcoholic for 20 years, has not had a drink in 20 years by accident. She had sipped from a friend's cup. Right. She thought the friend didn't have out. She didn't smell any alcohol, and then she tasted it, and it had gin or something, and she... Lost her mind, which I would have too. Like, if 20 years sober, I would have lost my mind too. Yeah. Like, but she was basically saying what you were saying instead of giving herself grace and being like, This was an accident, right? I'm, I'm not in a bad place, I'm not, you know, I'm not going off the wagon. I'm, I'm, and she immediately left the party and was responsible and went to an AA meeting. So, God bless her. You know, she said she had to calm herself down for weeks, for weeks. So, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's not quite the same thing, but it is because. With me, I don't know, Jillian, if you're at this point, or maybe I'll get to your point. But with food, I I don't even want the processed oils anymore. Because if I eat them, I'm sick for days. I have a migraine for days, even if I eat a little bit. So I don't even have the interest anymore.
1: Are yeah. you at that point? Or how do you deal with that? I grew up in the 80s on highly processed foods. <laughs> I... You know, I still sometimes look at fast food commercials and go, "Mm, that looks good." <laughs> Ugh. McDonald's fries? Even though no milk McDonald's shake. Sometimes Ugh. yeah, like I can still like have a craving or something. It's amazing When you've gone a certain period of time eating a certain way, your tastes change. So I don't even know what would happen to me if I ate a McDonald's (laughs) or what it would even taste like to me at this point. But I remember enjoying them in my youth, you know? Yeah, yeah. I went through many, many years of being so strict with the diet, like the autoimmune paleo diet. And I tried like pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. But... I found that it was just all too oh, I'm such a perfectionist and I mm. I couldn't just like kind of do it. Like I was driving myself crazy trying to stick to everything and I realized that like a lot of these are elimination diets and you're not meant to be on such a restrictive diet for so long. Like Correct. that can actually be bad for you. And everybody's different. You really have to figure out what foods your body likes. And go from there, you know, just like figure out what is going to nourish you the best and harm you the least, you know, like everything is either good for you or bad for you. So you got to do the work. You got to figure it out yourself. Like it's it's a slow process sometimes.
0: On this journey, you have taken the biologic agents. You've Mm -hmm. taken Remicade, you've taken Antivio. Would you please explain what the biologic agents are and your experiences with them? Because a lot of people are curious.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've pretty much taken most of the medications. So I started with Azacol and then I was on 6MP, which is mercaptopurine, which is a chemotherapy drug. My experience with these drugs is, or was, that I would get to a point where the side effects were too great and then they'd have to put me on another drug. It wasn't that they stopped working. So then I went on um, Remicade and I had a bad reaction to that, which was muscle pain, like really bad muscle pain throughout my
0: body. I'm going to stop you there because I just want to explain what the biologic agents are before we get into them. So the biologic agents are these man-made, manufactured in a lab drugs that you take intravenously and they're supposed to stop inflammation in the body. Now, Remicade is more general inflammation in the body, and they say that Antivio is more focused on the intestines and the gut. So right. that's why a lot of people are switching with ulcerative colitis from Remicade to Antivio. And I've heard from my gastroenterologist that Antivio has less side effects for a lot of his patients, but right. i let you talk about that.
1: So yeah, Remicade is a much older drug, and they use it for like, rheumatoid arthritis, and a bunch of other things. So it's the cheapest one. That's what they're probably going to start you on because your insurance company is dictating your treatment, which is unfortunate. So they started me on that. I had like a bad reaction. Then they put me on Humira, which is another one similar, but it's like a self-injection. I had a similar reaction to that. And so then they put me on entivio and i have been on it for maybe 4 or 5 years now and it's the one i've had the least side effects with and the most it's been the most effective for me so far how how has so, it been effective entivio specific to your digestive tract so that's like a little bit more helpful but all of these drugs basically treat the symptoms <laughs> they're not yeah. addressing like the root cause To me, I've always been trying doing this dance between natural healing and Western medicine and trying to strike the balance. I don't know the ins and the outs of the exact chemistry of why this is helping me. I just know that in addition to the way that I'm caring for myself, the diet that I'm eating and how I'm living my life and all the other changes that I've made, This is helping me maintain a remission and feel healthy. Again, like everybody's different. I happen to have bad reactions to these other medications, but I know people who are on those medications and they consider them life-saving and everybody reacts differently to things. I think part of the reason I moved through all of the different medications and I'm sort of like at the end of the line now is that I didn't take it seriously for so long. I didn't change my diet. I didn't do anything for a long time. And I got like very, very deep into this. And once your body knows how to build antibodies against self, it always has those blueprints and it's never gonna forget. When I talk about healing, I feel as though I'm healing always, forever, the rest of my life, I'm healing. That's what I say. And I'm, you know, I can be vital and strong and feel really healthy, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I might not be able to go off this medication, like I might still need that because I don't want to slide back down that alley and have the blueprints pulled out again, you know? (laughs) So like... When you talk about chronic illness and things like diagnoses that you're told are incurable, it gives this impression that, like, there's nothing you can do. I hate that. (laughs) Like, I want to use, I think words are very important, and I want to use words like healing. There is no cure, but a cure is a fantasy. A cure is like, here, take this and you're all better. Like, that doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean that healing doesn't exist. It's important to make sure people realize that even if they have a diagnosis that they feel like is forever, it doesn't mean that they have to be sick and miserable and struggling forever.
0: Is the best advice you could give (laughs) the listeners because you're living proof. Yeah. You know, you've lived with this for decades and you're thriving and you have your own successful business and you know, the whole nine, so you're doing well. And like you said, we just have to be in the mindset. I like how you said that. It's basically not a fairy tale. You know how we were fed all that BS as young women, as young girls, where, oh, you're gonna find the prince and he's gonna take you up on the horse and life is gonna be perfect. And then people bought into it. And then when it didn't happen, it wasn't good. I think it's the same metaphor as this disease is, you know what, This this is a lifelong thing
1: yeah it is It takes you a long time to get sick and it's it takes a lot to pull it back around
0: yes, and a combination of Eastern and Western medicine is. Great too, you know, it depends on what, whatever you wanna do, but I would always say research both. And we have an expert here, so Jillian, you are a functional medicine certified health coach who focuses on autoimmune healing. Please tell us about the Autoimmune Warrior Program.
1: It's my one-on-one coaching program. It's a three-month program. This is for people who are ready, ready to take responsibility, ready to make some changes, like I said before, words are very important, and I use them specifically, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't use words like fighting, because you don't want to be in that mindset of fighting, and you want to just live in love and light and gratitude, and I think, you know... What did
0: you say, cotton candy <laughs> cotton candy unicorns before? Right.
1: <laughs> I love that. I think it's great to be, you know, to be positive and to have a gratitude mindset and stuff like that. But some things are a battle and sometimes you do have to fight. And so I use this word specifically autoimmune warrior, because if you've been in the depths of illness and the despair and hopelessness of that shadow like you know and it's not just that battle again I've had many flares over the course of my disease it's a war and I'm fighting and I'd rather be a warrior in a gardener what is the saying I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war It's an old Chinese proverb. That's
0: interesting.
1: I like never heard that (laughs) because it's, it's nice to be love and light and gratitude and, you know, healing yourself like that. But sometimes you have to fight and sometimes you do have to stand up for yourself and to advocate for yourself and particularly in this healthcare system where you're kind of being programmed that like you can't do anything and you don't know what's best and you should just kind of do what you're told. And. And a lot of times you have to learn to like reclaim your power and push back a little bit and stand up for yourself and maybe be perceived as a bitch or, you know, like maybe be perceived not well, but who cares because you are fighting for your health. It's not an easy thing to do. You do need to be a warrior, I think. So
0: I love the wording. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I like Autoimmune Warrior. It's a really good tag on Instagram. If you look it up, Autoimmune Warrior, yeah. Warriors, Ulcerative Colitis Warrior. And I like that you talk about toxic positivity because it's bullshit. When right. you're sitting there, you're in a flare like me, having 50 colon spasms a day, life-threatening, near death. And for me to sit there and go, oh, everything's great. Right. They're great. I'm living in love and light is a waste of everyone's time. It really is. So I like that you have that warrior mindset. And I talk about in my book how that warrior mindset, even though I don't use those words exactly, pulled me out of my flare. Yeah, How it was able to raise my vibration because of that mindset. So I really do appreciate that. So yeah. So about the autoimmune warrior program. So it's your one-to-one three month program. And then what do you, what do you see as results at the end of it? Like what do you see as a general result or a couple
1: results? Generally, people are wanting to focus on their diet, their sleep. A big one is like boundaries and protecting your energy, learning how to manage stress because it is a huge part of this. If you're constantly kind of on edge, your body is either in defense or repair, not both. So you really need to learn how to have more capacity to to handle stress. And it's not about decreasing the stress in your life because I mean, let's be honest, like who can really point to something that they could just like remove from their life as a stressor? Like, I'm just going to stop paying bills. Um, (laughs) Life is just stressful. And it's not really that we have too much stress. It's that our capacity to handle normal amounts of stress has been diminished. And we need to like, restore that capacity. So there's a lot of somatic work that I have my, my clients do. So uh, embodiment stuff, getting into your body, doing like breath work, doing, you know, just paying closer attention to like, again, your energy body, getting out of your head and into your body more. You
0: guys, come on. If you're looking for something like this, you've got to contact (laughs) Jillian. And I'm going to tell you, you can follow Jillian on Instagram at notes.on.healing and find free resources at JillianLittle.com. For anyone who is visually impaired, it's J-I-L-L-I-A-N little.com and that includes a nervous system mini training registration for community support calls and more information about one-to-one coaching and the autoimmune warrior program everything will be in the show notes so you guys are going to have all the links to everything uh, Jillian any last word that you just want to impart on our listeners <laughs>
1: If you're here, you've probably already started to take responsibility for your health. So I would say, keep doing what you're doing, have compassion for your journey. Nothing is perfect, but uh, we do our best. And if you need help, I absolutely can empathize with everything that you're going through. And I do this work because of that. So. Don't hesitate to reach out to me, even if you just want to touch base and you need some resources. I'm here for all of you.
0: And she is because I reached out to Jillian on Instagram originally, and she wrote back to me immediately and was very (laughs) empathetic and wonderful. And that's why we're friends today. So there you go. (laughs) So Jillian, in my household, when you have a perfect poo, you know, that perfectly formed shit, we call it a green heart day.
1: I wish everyone a green heart day.
0: Thank you so much, Jillian. You've been amazing. We really just have so much gratitude for you and telling your story. And I'm going to go cook my iron fish. So I've (laughs) got
1: to run. All right, you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later.